What's up everybody and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a $100 million enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of One Click Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the B2B Made Simple podcast. Uh, great to have you here. My awesome guest with me today, all the way from Boston, Massachusetts, um, a Pat's fan, unfortunately. Mr. Matt Nolan, uh, the VP of Marketing at LifeYield. Uh, Matt, good to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Sam. <laughs> Sorry about the Pat's dig, but as a Steelers fan, I just had to, you know. Uh, it's, it's all good. I'm totally used to it at this point. <laughs> so before we get into to what we have prepared today, um, why don't you tell us what LifeYield is and what you guys do um, for a minute or two? Sure. So uh, LifeYield is a wealth technology company that sells uh, well tech software directly to financial advisors as well as to enterprise firms. So we started about 10 years ago as an API first company focused on helping companies improve their tax efficiency for all of their advisors and clients. And we recently packaged up uh, our API solutions and made a UI. And that about two years ago, we started selling directly to financial advisors. So we basically attacked financial advisor audience from the top down and the bottom up. Very cool. So you, you had a background in social media for a while, right? And then about a year and a half ago, you decided to come on the team with LifeField? Yeah. So I, I kind of bounced around a little earlier on in, in my career of around a few different tech companies. Um, and honestly, that was the best learning experience that I could have had because my ability to see what and how people did things from different perspectives early in my career kind of showed me things that work for, in different industries from different perspectives and didn't work. Um, and that kind of all led me to taking on a bigger role at a bigger company or a more niche role at a bigger company at Putnam Investments. So I kind of trans made the decision that I want to transition more towards financial services and fintech. And that led me to take the social job at Putnam. And that was an amazing growth opportunity. I learned a ton about the industry in general, because previously having just worked in tech, there were really no regulations in terms of what we could say and do from a marketing mm -hmm. perspective, but feeling, you know, ap after working at Putnam, I kind of understand what companies go through in the space and how to navigate those certain loopholes. So mm -hmm. um, now that I'm at LifeYield, we kind of bridge that gap um, and we have the ability to take a creative stance from a marketing perspective while also still being in the industry that I really know and love. So it's been a, a really great opportunity to make that transition and uh, the leaps and bounds that we've made since we I started at Lifefield a little over a year ago, we're, we're pretty proud of. That's that's super cool, man. Um, obviously, you do have a, back, a, a background in marketing. And because of that, you've really kind of narrowed down three areas marketing teams need to focus on. And obviously, mm -hmm. there's, there's more than that. But really hone in on, um, you found three areas. And the first one is authenticity. The second is content. And the third um, is analytics. And we might not really, if you're listening to this, um, it might sound kind of vague, but we'll get into each one of those and we'll start with authenticity. 
big word there for me, um, <laughs> in our marketing. So your main point is just, you need to be your authentic self um, and your colleagues need to do the same. So companies need to stop pouring hours into their corporate social medias and spamming out links because it's really inauthentic. That's just not the direction that brands should be going right now. So where should we focus instead? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I actually had to think a lot about it after you first sent it to me, but after really putting some thought into it, um, the things that have worked best for us at Lifefield is by enabling our key executives to talk to each of their audiences. So for me, my audience is uh, marketing and financial services. So a lot of the stuff that I post is wins and losses and lessons learned and stuff that I've accomplished or learned something from at Lifefield. Um, for our chief marketing and strategy officer, his target audience is networking in with high level executives at different fintech firms and major enterprises. So a lot of the things that we post are about relationship building and experiences about himself and the industry. And then um, my boss, who's another head of sales, he posts about partnerships and things directly to the advisor audience. So everybody kind of has their unique value add that they can bring to the table and a little bit of a unique audience, even though we all play under the same umbrella. And I think it's really important to have each person tell their unique story uh, because that's what actually is resonating. Now, mm -hmm. we would post from Life Yields. We ended up posting about three or four times a day at one point. And we would get one or two likes and they would be employees and, and me, right? Like liking the, the, our own thing. And yeah. once we started posting from our, our CMO and our EVP of sales and even myself, um, obviously our colleagues are still engaging, but more of them are engaging and that's getting, getting the reach far and wide. But also other people in the industry are starting to notice. And we're getting that anecdotally from people just saying, oh, I really love what you guys are doing on LinkedIn to somebody uh, reaching out and cold messaging me that said, oh, I saw your colleague's Jack, Jack's post on LinkedIn. And that reminded me that we need to actually uh, get in touch about like a marketing program or something. And maybe that didn't directly relate to a sale, but all yeah. of these constant reminders are just making our people more approachable to everybody online. And that's the mm -hmm. ultimate goal. So when you let your authentic self shine through, people want to work with people and not robots. And I think that the results really speak for themselves when you do that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's probably no surprise to marketers listening to this that uh, you found success for your B2B company on LinkedIn. Um, can you share a couple of stories uh, outside of what you just did on what really has been working um, in the personal brands on LinkedIn? Because like you said, it's not just um, marketing your business. These are key executives, right? Sure. Absolutely. And leading with the key executives, I think was the, the goal in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I saw people like Dave Gerhardt, like everybody knows, Chris Walker, yourself, yeah. always posting value add content for marketers. And I keep seeing like, why can't we do this within our industry and for what we're talking about? So we tried it. And um, one of my colleagues, Jack, who's our, our CMO and, and chief of business development, he wrote a book about relationship building. And it was just the culmination of 40 years of, of things that he learned throughout his career that basically he built his entire career off of. And mm -hmm. It wasn't a super long book or anything like that, but he had written it for a college class. And we basically took a lot of that material that he wrote for that book. It was a, a bunch of stories from his past, lessons learned, just tips and tricks for actually active listening and paying closer attention so you can pivot to a better conversation down the line and show them that you're listening. Mm -hmm. Those little pro tips, the first one that we posted got 125 likes. 
And this wow. was like one yeah. of his first posts that he ever had. And it was really just him saying, pro tip, be more interested than interesting. Things mm -hmm. that like people have, have heard, but just him coming out of the woodwork and sharing that, everybody knows him as a great relationship builder. And that's something that people look to him for help and improvement on. The fact that he had built his network of people that already thought of him this way uh, definitely helped the results. Mm -hmm. But that really resonated. And something that a quote that I, I read recently that really stuck with me, especially in fintech and wealth tech, is make deposits, not withdrawals. And yeah, I'm sure you've yeah. seen that in, in plenty of places, but it really hit me home because you don't really want to promote your stuff ever, really, very rarely. Um, but when you're just constantly adding value, like I saw your, your posts on LinkedIn, and that's what gave me the confidence that this was a credible podcast and that you knew what you were talking about and that you were a, a legit figure in the industry so that I wanted to speak to. So just by being there is what made you more visible and, and got yeah. me into the podcast today. Yeah, I mean, it, it does work. Um, and just like you said, you need to be delivering value before you're ever going to receive it. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing I would add would be also know that you need to be in it for the long game, which is it might be tough to pitch to senior management like that. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously start off with some other things um, to do alongside it that are going to generate some revenue now. Um, but get this started immediately if it's a fit for your company, for sure. A common problem we see in the B2B industry is companies maxing out their marketing teams because they attempt to handle their website in-house. We see this all the time. From redesigns to regular maintenance, we know it's easy for your team to drown in the amount of work it takes to keep a website updated, secure, and current with the times. And let's face it, working on a website isn't that fun. The worst part, hiring a full-time developer to handle that workload can cost over $100,000 a year. Here at OneClick Agency, we build websites for B2B companies for just a fraction of that cost. Whether your website is five pages or 355 pages, our US-based team of designers and developers can handle your website project with ease. If your team is totally capped and needs help with website maintenance or even a full redesign, visit OneClickAgency.com to get a quote today. Visit OneClickAgency.com so your marketing team can get back to doing what they love. OneClickAgency.com. Um, so number two here we have is content. It's really important. It's a pillar when it comes to marketing. Uh, but your thoughts are we need to start or stop overproducing it. Mm -hmm. um, for example, so this podcast, obviously, we've shifted to the B2B marketing space, but it's been out for a year and a half. I mean, it sounds like we're like this bigger podcast than we are. We have like, I know, you know, thousands of listeners, but I'm recording right now in my dining room. You can probably hear my dog shuffling around in the other room. My wife's going to come in from the chiropractor here in about 30 minutes. Like this is about as underproducing as you can get. I'm sitting here with AirPods because my Yeti isn't working. It's on the shelf behind me. Like that's really underproducing and people are listening and they like it. Um, is that what you're talking about with content? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, another great, easy example that may be more digestible for people is just like making a single video or something. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, especially in financial services, I think it might happen a little less often in tech because of the pace of things and how fast everything moves. But in financial services, we tend to often overproduce a video. What I mean by that is spend a week scripting it, another week potentially filming, send it to an agency or somebody to edit, and then you get back a final product that you still need to either put in a landing page or figure out exactly where 
you're going to use it. And if you are blessed to have some of those tools that you can actually drop the video right into the email, then that's awesome. And you should definitely yeah. do that also. But in the absence of those, not everybody has access to that. Not everybody wants to go that far down their tech journey. So uh, an example that we did just the other day, one of a member of our sales team came to me and said they wanted to uh, re-engage some of their sale opportunities. So they made a really quick 30 second video in Zoom just recording uh, why they should re-engage and just a couple of new features that we had added in the, our most recent release. I took that, basically just cut off the beginning and the end pauses and put it on a landing page for them. And we had that from uh, uh, concept all the way through finish within a couple hours. Mm -hmm. He was then able to start his sequence and sending that out the same exact day. So that, yeah. that pace um, was really important, but I really think that had we sent that video out to be produced and edited and scripted and all of the ways that we had talked, I talked about before, I don't think that the end result or the value that people getting out of it would change at all. Yeah. So keeping that in mind, it's not the production value that really matters. It's the value of the content that you're putting out there into the world. Yeah. I think a lot of people just feel like they need to over polish everything. And I mean, quality is good for sure. Don't get us wrong. Um, but don't overthink it and really stall the process because you want it to be perfect because perfectionism really can be a trap and very, very expensive. Um, what are some ways that you found to help avoid falling into that trap? Oh man, honestly, just when you're starting, there's, it's just getting over the fact that you need to start producing stuff yourself. Um, yeah. and, and getting the confidence within yourself to put yourself on camera and put yourself out there. Really. Um, I think you are your own biggest hurdle when it comes to producing content and just, you know, stepping up to the plate and putting something out there is really the first step record something small on zoom. Like we're doing now for 30 seconds and post it to your audience and see what works. And if something really works, totally double down on it, add production value, figure out how you can make it better and, and improve it and scale it up. No doubt about it. But at least to start, um, stick with the tools that you know, what you can control. Uh, that's one thing that my boss constantly pushes out, control what you can control. And in the beginning, you everyone probably has access to Zoom or some type of recording software at this point. And it's really easy to just spin it up, throw a quick recording on and get your message out. So don't let yourself be a barrier. Yeah, absolutely. You can record something on a phone, even if it's not necessarily a podcast, a phone with your AirPods, literally walking around. I mean, that's consider content and it's kind of fun to see that sort of thing. I mean, even Dave Gearhart, he's obviously one of the bigger guys in the industry, but he does the same thing. It's a little bit more raw. Um, it's fun. Gary V, the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. People like to see that people are human and it doesn't always need to be polished, especially in B2B. Um, so moving on here, Matt, we have uh, our third point here is analytics uh, as an area that we need to focus. Um, but it's really not as broad as people might think. And we need to learn to focus them down um, to a few key metrics. Mm -hmm. um, so why is your marketing team stopped reporting on everything to senior management? Yeah, um, I mean, one of the reasons why I was hired is because there really wasn't uh, that much marketing expertise. So mm -hmm. Um, when I got here, I think people just didn't exactly know what to do with all of the numbers that they had access to. Um, there wasn't any real strategy in terms of how we're going to improve certain metrics or drill into um, certain campaigns or things that we were looking at. So 
really, um, it came up, to, it came to me to simplify what we were, what we were doing and try and relate it to our, the ultimate goals of the business, which obviously is revenue. So mm-hmm. everything that we track from a senior management perspective always leads back to a revenue generating activity. So for us, um, we kind of boil it down to three main metrics that can uh, really, that we all agreed can really lead to sales. And those metrics that we kind of decided upon are overall web traffic. And that just determines the top of the funnel and how much we're filling up there. Um, Just general conversions, which is basically any exchange of information online that's not a demo. Uh, I know a lot of marketers are on a war against forms and all of that, but I personally don't feel that way. Um, It's not the greatest experience ever, but I think it's fair if you put a lot of effort into producing something or creating something that you you ask for something small in exchange like an email address or something like mm-hmm. that and then finally the, the bread and butter and holy grail is, is demo requests um yeah. obviously we then track all the way through a sale and see how effective each of these are and attributing to that but from a marketing perspective um, reporting to our senior team as well as during our board meetings um we we really are going to start sticking to those three metrics as we kick up our marketing spend and really hit the ground running in next year. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, would you say that secondary metrics are still important? It's a good question. Um, they always are important. And I definitely always have my finger on it because when I'm sending out a newsletter every month, I want to know what has worked in the past and what mm-hmm. I'm going to use to, to improve this month's iteration of it. But at the same time, I'm not reporting on all of those metrics to really any of my colleagues outside of my immediate team um, and then any huge wins that come up. So if there's something big, like we have a 30 or 40 percent open rate on a newsletter or or a campaign that we ran or something really drove a ton of leads, I'll just bring that up and tell the story. Um, Because bringing up the fact that we generate X amount of leads and X amount of pipeline, that's all great stuff. But an anecdotal story in these scenarios does just as much as a a huge PowerPoint with many slides of of a bunch of numbers. So I'm not saying don't track these things. Um, You definitely have to know what's going on in all corners of the business and in marketing so you can make informed decisions. But at the same time, your high level colleagues, the ones that are really only concerned about revenue, what you're reporting to them should all attribute back to that. Yeah, it'll go out in one ear and out the other if you're sitting there running down a list of secondary metrics to the board. I mean, you're going to lose your job real quick. <laughs> or you'll just end up getting the inevitable question of, so what does this actually mean in terms yeah. of sales? Or what was your impact? And you'll have to do that research anyway. So just be yeah. proactive <laughs> and bring that to the, to the forefront and just know that whatever you report on um, to people that control your destiny should all help them control theirs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one, th- one last thing I want to cover. Um, when it comes to social proof in your team, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to presenting numbers and graphs, what have you guys found um, that works and why have you guys started leaning that direction instead? Great question. Um, I have a couple of good examples too. So we talked a little bit about like enabling your employees and on corporate mm-hmm. social um, and not using the corporate accounts and, and really using your key executives and key figures at the company. Um, what The way that we've showed that that's working is we took a, a screenshot of our most successful posts from our CMO, which got 125 likes on it and used that as a slide on most of our, our decks. 
and just say, here's our corporate strategy. We're enabling all of our key executives to post to different accounts. Look at the impact that this really has. And just that screenshot of 15,000 views with 125 likes and 50 comments has so much more of an impact than us saying we posted 50 times and got you know X number of likes and X number of follows and X number of engagements from that. Um, it, it tells the same story, but the amount of lift for somebody on our team to have to go through and tally up all of the, the impact that each post has on an individual basis just isn't worth it, especially for a, a small team like ours where we only have two marketers that can really be nimble and pull those numbers and do that type of reporting. So in those situations, especially for small teams, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. I'd say a screenshot can be worth a hundred numbers unless you're talking yeah. about unless you're talking yeah. about revenue. Very interesting, man. Well, Matt, it's been awesome having you here on the show. Um, before we go, can you just let us know? I mean, you guys spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Um, where can we find you and even Lifefield um, if we want to check you out? Sure. Um, if you want to check out Lifefield, it's www.lifefield.com. If you also search for Lifefield on LinkedIn, that's a great uh, account to follow, but that's really our brand ticker. Um, we have a couple key people that are sharing a lot of stuff. So Jack Shari, who's our CMO, he's a key figure to watch. And Steve Zushin, who's our head of sales, is also another key person to watch. So they're always sharing really personal stuff. It's always unique. Um, so if you want to check out and learn about Lifefield and know a little bit more about a, the things that are working for us or the company in general, they're really the two people to follow. Sweet. Thanks so much, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody, before you go, thanks a ton for listening to the podcast. We would love it if you dropped us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It'll only take you about four seconds. Last thing, if you're in marketing or you simply love it and want to learn more, subscribe to our email list today. You'll get weekly podcast updates as well as a solid marketing tip delivered right to your inbox. So if you want that tip sent to you every single week, subscribe today at oneclickagency.com forward slash podcast. That's oneclickagency.com forward slash podcast, and you'll get marketing advice that you can apply to your company right away. Oneclickagency.com forward slash podcast.